welcome to the Clerk Commute Podcast. Where we discuss clerkship content, share up-to-date research, work through interesting cases, and gather position advice for your next rotation. We would like to thank BMO Academic Consulting for sponsoring this episode. BMO Academic Consulting helps students get accepted to medical school and match to top residency programs. After helping over 55,000 students and a success rate of 93.5%, BMO is the leader in admissions for healthcare programs. As part of their sponsorship to our podcast, BMO is offering all listeners one free session with their admissions advisors. This session can be used to help you with your application documents for either medicine or residency, CASPER prep, MCAT prep, or interview prep. You can use the code BMO free session to book your free advising session. Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of the Clerk Commute. Today, we'll be learning about prenatal care, which is sure to be an important part of your family medicine and obstetrics and gynecology rotations. This episode will discuss prenatal visits and pregnancy counseling during the first trimester. This episode was edited by Dr. Karen Swirsky, a family physician at St. Michael's Hospital. Awesome. So first, we're going to review some of the basics of pregnancy. First, let's go over some of the basics of pregnancy. So if you can recall, pregnancy is split into three trimesters, each being about three months. There's some variation in definition, but generally, the first trimester is week zero to 12, second trimester is week 13 to 27, and the third trimester is week 28 to delivery. A term labor and delivery occurs between weeks 37 to 42. Next, thinking about the prenatal visits, the number of visits will increase in frequency as the pregnancy progresses. So during the first trimester and second trimester, weeks zero to 27, Visits are about every four weeks. Then between weeks 28 to 36, prenatal visits happen every two weeks, and 36 and onwards every week until delivery. However, in higher risk pregnancies, prenatal visits will be more frequent. Now we'll go over the general format of a prenatal visit. First, we'll start with the history. Something that's important to ask about on history are fetal movements. So you can ask, have you been feeling the baby kick? The ability to feel fetal fetal movements will begin around week 16, but those who have been pregnant before will be able to report them more confidently than those who have not. Then at about week 28 and beyond, if no fetal movements are felt, you should go to a private room for two hours and feel for movements. If there are less than six movements felt in two hours, then recommend the patient go to maternal triage to seek emergent medical attention. Other things to ask on history, are clear vaginal discharge to screen for spontaneous rupture of membranes, vaginal bleeding, and contractions. After history, we'll move on to physical exam. To start, we should take the weight, heart rate, and blood pressure at the start of every appointment. Next, we'll do fetal heart rate using a Doppler ultrasound. This can be measured around week 12, and the normal fetal heart rate is between 120 to 160 beats per minute. Next, we'll measure the symphysis bundle height, or SFH. This is measured at week 20 and beyond. At week 20, the fundus of the uterus should be palpated at the level of the umbilicus. SFH in centimeters should be around the number of weeks of gestational age, within plus or minus two centimeters. And then finally, 
will complete the Leopold maneuver to determine fetal position. This involves a specific set of physical exam maneuvers to determine the position of the fetus and uterus. This can be performed around week 28 to first determine fetal position, as well as to help with positioning in order to measure the fetal heart rate with Doppler ultrasound. Now that we've talked about the general structure of a routine prenatal visit, we need to discuss some of the extra parts that take place during the first prenatal visit. So the first prenatal visit usually occurs around week seven to 10, and this involves completion of the Ontario perinatal record, which standardizes documentation of prenatal care. We will also go over scheduling of a dating ultrasound, which is usually performed between weeks eight to 10, and we will do a set of lab investigations. So some of the lab investigations that will happen at a first prenatal visit include a hemoglobin level to screen for anemia, and this is defined in pregnancy as a hemoglobin of less than or equal to 110 grams per liter, MCV, and this is used to narrow the differential of anemia if present, ferritin levels to screen for iron deficiency. This is defined in pregnancy as a ferritin level of less than or equal to 30 micrograms per liter, and this is treated with oral iron supplementation. We will also do a blood type to determine if they are A, B, or O, and RH factor, positive or negative. This is important to test because of RH incompatibility that could result in complications that we'll discuss shortly. An RBC antibody screen to screen for antibodies that could attack the baby's red blood cells, a platelet count to screen for gestational thrombocytopenia, screening for infections such as hepatitis B with hepatitis B surface antigen, hepatitis C with hepatitis C antibody, rubella, syphilis, HIV, urine NAAT for chlamydia and gonorrhea, a urine culture and sensitivity to screen for asymptomatic bacteria, which would require antibiotics, and then finally, some additional investigations are also performed if indicated, and this could include a TSH, vitamin B12, or further infectious disease screening, such as parovirus B19, varicella, toxoplasmosis, and cytomegalovirus. Next, we're going to talk about pregnancy counseling, and this is an important aspect of the first prenatal visit if it hadn't already been done at a preconception counseling visit prior to pregnancy. So there are four important topics that we're gonna discuss around pregnancy counseling. One, folic acid supplementation. Two, weight gain. Three, alcohol and smoking. And four, vaccinations. However, it's important to realize that there are many other topics around pregnancy counseling that we won't cover in this episode. So first, let's talk about folic acid supplementation. The purpose of folic acid is to decrease the risk of neural tube defects, such as spina bifida. Ideally, supplementation would start three months prior to pregnancy, which is why it's important to counsel on, these, on this topic at a preconception visit if it's possible. It's often taken as part of a daily prenatal multivitamin, and the dosing for most pregnancies is between 0.4 to 1 milligram PO daily. However, if there's a high risk for neural tube defects, it is recommended to take 4 milligrams PO daily. Risk factors for a neural tube defect would include a previous pregnancy with a neural tube defect or a parent with a neural tube defect. The second topic is weight and exercise. Weight during pregnancy is closely monitored during each prenatal visit. 
In terms of canceling, in the first trimester, patients will generally gain approximately five pounds of weight gain. After the first trimester, it's about one to two pounds of weight gain each week. You can calculate the pre-pregnancy BMI to stratify risk. And it's important to cancel on the importance of exercise during pregnancy, even in the first trimester as tolerated. You should also identify when there's inadequate weight gain and consider what might be contributing factors. These could include hyperemesis gravidarum, food insecurity, psychiatric diagnoses, such as eating disorders or substance use. Next, we'll go over alcohol and smoking. So with alcohol, there's no safe level of alcohol use during pregnancy. Alcohol use during pregnancy can cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and this would include growth restriction, facial dysmorphology, and CNS dysfunction. Smoking is associated with spontaneous abortion, preterm labor, premature rupture of membranes, and placenta previa. Some of the long-term effects of smoking during pregnancy can include childhood asthma, behavioral problems, and ADHD. Pregnant women who smoke should be counseled on the risks and supported through smoking cessation, including psychosocial interventions and nicotine replacement therapy. Next, we're gonna talk about vaccinations. So first, we'll talk about what vaccines should not be given during pregnancy and then the vaccines that should be. So live attenuated vaccines, such as the MMR vaccine, should not be administered during pregnancy because of a theoretical risk to the fetus. Preconception counseling should involve inquiring about a history of varicella and labs for rubella immunity. If not immune, vaccines can be administered and contraception is needed for one month. Currently, two vaccines are recommended during pregnancy. The first is the Tdap vaccine, which protects against tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, and this is administered during week 27 to 32 of pregnancy. The second is the influenza vaccine, which is indicated when pregnancy occurs during the influenza season, around December to February. The intranasal influenza vaccine cannot be used since it's a live attenuated vaccine, which is important to note. COVID-19 vaccine is also safe during pregnancy and should be administered if the patient has not had completed their recommended doses. Okay, that was a lot of information. Now we have two questions to reinforce what we've learned. So, first question. Alex, when should folic acid supplementation be started in pregnancy? Ideally three months prior to conceiving. Question number two. What vaccines should be administered during pregnancy? Tdap, specifically during weeks 27 to 32, the flu vaccine, and COVID-19, if not up to date with doses. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Clerk Commute podcast. Catch you on your next commute.